We were designed to praise and worship. God gave us that innate ability to want to praise, to want to worship. So we will, as human beings from a small age, we will look for something to worship. And if we are not guided well, we will either end up worshiping a false God or worshiping ourselves. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We are busy with a series called One Gospel, One Church. We're working through the book of Romans, the book that Paul wrote to the Romans. Um... I want to recap it, but I'm going, to, I'm going to do it in questions. So how many of you can remember to who was he writing the letter in the church of Rome? <laughs> Y'all, Leon. <laughs> yes, the Jews and the Gentiles, a divided church. And he was telling them in chapter 1 and 2 about the one standard of God, which is God's righteousness. And then he In chapter 3 and 4, he spoke about the way to God's righteousness, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. And then when we receive Jesus by faith, He is the one gift that we receive. And through this one gift, we also receive grace. And then the one standard kicks in righteousness. Amen. Come on. And then last week, we spoke, we started on chapter 6, and we spoke about the power and the importance of baptism, which worked out so beautifully because we're going to baptize some people today. And we saw that the reborn new creation in Christ has the ability by the power of God to live free from the power of sin. And we, as born-again believers, can choose to present our bodies, our members, that which we have for the work of the Lord while we set our minds on things above and not on things of the earth. Do you guys remember that? All right. How many of you were challenged by last week's sermon in the way that you're like, what am I actually presenting my body, body parts, my, my members to do? And, and I mean, I, the, the, the line that, you know, we have time to sin, but we don't have time to spend with God. That was a Holy Spirit moment that just, that challenged me. <laughs> like, if, I, if we do get so busy with presenting our members, uh, the parts of our bodies, only for the work of God, we will have less time to do the things that we shouldn't be doing. Amen? I, I hope some of you are challenged by that. Today we're going to dive into the rest of chapter 6 and go a bit into chapter 7 because there's this one big thought that keeps on carrying through. And it, you'll see that Paul tends to repeat himself. It seems like he's repeating himself, but he's building a very strong argument that he wants this church to understand, and it's very true for us as well. And what 
What I would love to take credit for today is, is how this moment of Scripture falls on Pentecost Sunday, but it was, I can't take credit for it. It's just God knows. <laughs> so you'll see that the, the main message of today's passage comes right back to the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we received as the church on the day of Pentecost. So today I want to give us a little bit of a uh, history and framework of what Pentecost is, why it's called that, and all that kind of stuff, and then we're going to do our scripture for today, and I'm trusting God to, that we will see something really powerful from these scriptures that will strengthen what we've already learned and take us even further as we grow in Christ. Are you with us, with me? Are you with us? I, uh, so, approximately 3,300 years ago, the people of God, the Israelites, were in the desert. They'd just been delivered out of Egypt by God, the mighty hand of God, and they were led by Moses. And right about uh, 50 days, seven weeks, after they were freed, after the first Passover happened, they were in the desert, and something happened. God came and made himself manifest to Moses and the people in a powerful display on Mount Sinai. And the people were so taken aback and shook by what they saw. They, they experienced just a glimpse of the glory of God, and they were like, Moses, you deal with him. <laughs> we'll work through you. They were so freaked out by God's holiness and his, his just awe-inspiring presence that they didn't want to deal with it. So Moses went and he went up into this thing that was happening. They, were, they say it was like the sound of, it was this massive sound of thundering and the ancient Hebrew word actually implies that it could have sounded like many voices from many nations. The, the rumblings that were heard around the mountain. Moses then proceeded to receive the first set of Ten Commandments written by the hand of God. How many of you know why I say the first set of Ten Commandments? Because the first, the first set he broke, right? Because what happened? He was away for 40 days, and when he came back, um, the people had been, were worshiping a golden calf. And then he broke it out of being upset. And then he went back and God gave him the rest of the Torah in that time. Now, the Jewish people would go on to celebrate these moments. Celebrate Passover became a big thing for them. And that's something they, they celebrate and remember. And then this day when the law was given which is in the Jewish tradition is called Shavuot, which I don't know if I pronounce it correctly, but it's called Shavuot. And it refers to the seven-week period, which is approximately 50 days after Passover. And they would then remember on that day when they received the law of God. And these things would be, and later on it would also coincide with the beginning of the wheat harvest and part of that, the Shavuot festival, is that they would bring the first fruits of their wheat harvest and um, bring it as an offering along with, uh, I think it's four, other, four or five other types of um, 
things that they were harvesting. Now this tradition obviously continued through the generations and one year, very long time after that, Jewish believers gathered together as they would always do in Jerusalem for Shavuot or the other word for that that we know is Pentecost. Pentecost refers to 50 days. 50 days after Passover. And now with many of them what many of them didn't know, they made this pilgrimage from many nations to Jerusalem. And what they didn't know is that about 50 days before that, there was a moment where a man named Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah, the salvation of Israel, was crucified. Around what time? Passover. He was accused of blasphemy and of breaking the law of Moses. The Jewish leaders and people appeal, appeal to Rome to crucify Jesus, the worst possible kind of torture and death of that time. Jesus died on the cross without them needing to break his legs, and he was buried. Now, another rumor that was circling is that this same Jesus was raised from the dead. Impossible. And that about 10 days before Pentecost, his followers saw him ascend into heaven. Fairy tales can't be true. But as these devout Jewish pilgrims were going about their festival in Jerusalem, suddenly, as God works, they heard a mighty rushing wind. They heard the sound like a mighty rushing wind, and they ran to see what's going on. And there is about 120 disciples of Jesus who seemed drunk. They were under the influence of something and speaking in all the different languages that were represented in Jerusalem. All these people that came for Pentecost from different nations, among whom are specifically mentioned, came from Rome. Jewish believers who came from Rome who planted the Roman church that Paul is writing to. Okay, side note. And then some of them realize, hey, I can understand this Jew from Jerusalem who is actually from Galilee probably because he's speaking my language. What is going on? And then when they were accused of being drunk, one of them stood up. His name was Peter and he spoke with authority. And with passion, like none of them have ever heard before. But some locals recognized it though. They heard Jesus speak in a similar manner. And when Peter had finished summarizing the, the tainted story of the Jewish people and their relationship with God and how this Jesus that was crucified was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God, the ultimate sacrificial Passover lamb, the people were cut to the heart and asked, what should we do? What shall we do? And Peter was ready with an answer. He said, repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And that day, 3,000 people came to Christ and were baptized with water and we assume with the Holy Spirit as well. 
the Old Testament, God had just saved, when we look at the story of Passover, God saved his people from physical slavery, from bondage, with the Passover sacrificial lamb. His blood was sprinkled on the doorposts of the people of God. Seven weeks later, or 50 days later, God gives moment the Ten Commandments and proceeds with the rest of the Torah. The law is given. The law which we read so much of in Romans. Did you notice? Okay. And it said, as the law increased, sin increased also. Why? Because now we know what sin is. Now that we know there's a list of 613 things you should do or should not do, sin increases and the law shows God's righteous standard for the people of God and they realize we can't do this in our own strength, yet they keep on trying. And from there on, the Jewish people would remember Passover and Pentecost for centuries to come. Now, When we look at the New Testament, on the same day that Passover took place, Jesus is crucified. Do we see the significance of this? All right. And he becomes the ultimate sacrificial lamb, but this time it's for all sin of all time. He brings freedom from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin, and one day freedom from the presence of sin, as we've seen before. Now, before he was crucified, he told his followers many times that he would would have to leave after his crucifixion, death, and burial. And if he didn't leave, he couldn't send the Holy Spirit. And now he dies, and he's buried, and he's resurrected, and he appears to his disciples. He had now overcame sin. He has overcome death, and his life is everlasting. Forty days later, After being resurrected, he ascends to heaven. We recently remembered Ascension Day. And on that day, his disciples were still concerned about the kingdom of Israel more than about the kingdom that Jesus actually came to tell them about. They were still going, but Lord, will the kingdom of Israel come now? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. Only the Father knows. But you must gather and I will send the Holy Spirit who will baptize you with power and fire so that you can be my witnesses. And that was actually the main point of Jesus' coming to introduce us to the Father and to bring the Holy Spirit for all believers to be able to work and, and move through the Holy Spirit. And they were still not getting that until that moment. And then uh, 10 days after that, after them waiting together in unity in one place, they prayed and prayed and prayed. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Peter preaches and brings freedom from sin. And can you imagine how difficult this must have been? Because Peter and the other disciples, they know. They know how important the law is to the Jewish people that they are speaking to. They know how important Passover is, how important Pentecost is, Shavuot. And now they're standing up in the midst of all this and they confront all the traditions, all the preconceived ideas, all these things. They confronted boldly 
I mean, they, they must have known that if this does not go well, these pilgrims from around the world can just stone them to death, all of them right now. But by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, with the authority that they spoke, that Peter spoke with, 3,000 lives were changed. And they spread what? Back to their nations. And the church of Christ started. How powerful is that? We cannot build the kingdom of God without the Holy Spirit. It is foolishness to do that. Because he gives us the power, the strength, the wisdom, the guidance to do what God has called us to do. Amen? All right. So with that as our context, recognizing that today we celebrate and think back on the day of Pentecost. So I hope by now all of you know that Pentecost doesn't mean Holy Spirit. It refers to those 50 days. I never, honestly, till a few years ago, I didn't know why they call it Pentecost. I just thought, that's, I just thought it was the name of a church group. <laughs> but it's important for us to understand these things, so I hope you understand that now. Okay, Romans 6 from verse 15. We're going to pick up from where we left off, left off last week. We're going to read quite a long piece of Scripture right up to Romans 7 verse 6. And then I want to add a few Scriptures and we're going to talk about what we are learning here, all right? And then we're going to give time for the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Romans 6 from verse 15, it says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? This is the exact same question he has in verse 1 of Romans 6. He's asking it again because he's now explained a bunch of stuff we talked about last week. And he said, so should we now keep on sinning because we're not under law anymore but under grace? He says, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that through you, though, sorry, though you were slaves of sin, Yet you obeyed from the heart that, from that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So you once were slaves of sin, now you are slaves of righteousness. And all the born-again believers say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Gee, thanks, Paul. <clears throat> Don't hold back what you really think. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. He's trying to explain something to them and he's saying to them, I'm dumbing this down for you so you get it. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now, so that was before Christ, now in Christ, Present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Do you see, he's repeating this similar verse as we read last year. Presenting your members to God for the work of the kingdom. Present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. 
Listen to that. When you were slaves of sin, in other words, when I was obeying sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Hey, under sin, it's lucky. You're free of righteousness. <laughs> Sounds weird, right? He says free from something that's good that we want. Are you guys following? All right. Are you cold? Just go like this. Okay. What fruit, he says, this is how you were before Christ. What fruit did you have? Uh, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? So the fruit of being free of righteousness are the things that make you feel ashamed. Even when you weren't in Christ, you knew somehow this is wrong. For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. Versus fruit that makes me ashamed. You have now fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. So two things, ding, ding, ding. You get a holy life and life everlasting. For the wages of sin is death. That which you get paid for being a sinner is with death. But the gift of God, the one gift, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? We continue with Romans 7 from verse 1. Remember, there weren't chapters and verses when they wrote this, so it is actually one thing continuing. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Okay, now he's bringing the law into this. And remember, we... Just re we're reminded that the law was given by God to his people. This is the law that he's referring to. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of her husband. Wives, don't get any ideas. So then... If while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. Obviously, we agree. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Now listen carefully. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Huh? Wow. Why does that happen? That we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But, everybody says but. Thank God for this but. Now you have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit. Everybody say the newness of the Spirit. 
and not in the oldness of the letter, the law. Woo! And that is the point of today's message. The newness of the Spirit of God. He brings that through His Son, Jesus Christ, into our lives. Now, as we continue Romans, we are going to see, He's going to expand on this. All right, so there's more to come. But for today, we're going to focus on this moment right here. We serve God and His kingdom in the newness of the Spirit of God and not in the oldness of the letter. All right. I want to read three more scriptures that are pertinent for this today. Ephesians 4 from verse 4. There is, I read this last week as well, and I put emphasis on one baptism. Today I'm going to put the emphasis on the first one they mentioned. There is one body, sorry, the second one. There's one body and, everybody say, one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. Just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Everybody say one spirit. Everybody say one baptism. One Lord. One Father of all. Okay, I'm gonna, I want to make you do it again as if you believe it, but I won't. Let's go practice at home. Because this is very important for us to settle in our spirits. There's one Holy Spirit, and that's the Spirit of God. Amen? So when we speak of the Spirit that brings the newness that we have in the Spirit of God, this is the Spirit that we talk about. The Spirit of God. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 from the ESV, it says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, Listen to this, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit in, and belief in the truth. How do, are we sanctified? By the Spirit of God and by believing the truth. How many of you know if you are born again right now, you're sitting here, you're listening to this, you are in a process of sanctification, all right? How do you proceed in that and grow all the time? By the Spirit of God and by believing the truth. The first truth that you should believe is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and that He's there to help you. Amen? And then you have to read the Word of God, which is the truth. If you don't have the truth, then you're... Your period of sanctification, your journey of sanctification can be hindered or can be slowed down, which is what the enemy wants. He, don't want, he doesn't want, if he's, if he's been unable to stop you from getting saved, he's going to be trying to keep you from feeling qualified or keep you from feeling like I'm growing in Christ. There's always going to be something he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Don't let him. Don't fall for the lies. Why would it be so important for us to hear we have to have the Spirit of God and believe in the truth if it wasn't necessary? Amen? Titus 3 from verse 4. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, 
but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Yo. By the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Yo, I'm encouraged by that. I don't know if you are, but I am. God is powerful. So good. All right. I want to show you a slide quickly where I'm trying to broke, break this open. Um, the second one. It says on the one side, obey the flesh, and the other side, obey the spirit. So what Paul is trying to communicate in Romans 6, in this second part, and in Romans 7, is he's saying, when you were obeying your flesh, you were a slave to sin, which led to death. You were presenting your members, your body, for uncleanness, and it goes on to say lawlessness, which led to more lawlessness. There's a, there's a passage that is quite hectic to read where Jesus says, many of you will come and say, Lord, Lord, and, I will, and, and say, I've done many works in your name. I've driven out demons in your name. I've prophesied in your name. But I will say to them, depart from me, for I do not know you. You practice practitioners of lawlessness. Same word. It's being used here. We used to be we're using our members for uncleanness and lawlessness, which leads to more lawlessness. What does that mean? I believe it means, if you think of Jesus' own words, they asked him which are the two most important, or which are the most important commandments to keep. He said, love God with your whole heart, mind, strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those are laws. If you don't follow them, you are lawless. Make sense? So if, if we are doing things in Jesus' name, but it's for our own benefit or to build our own little kingdom and we're actually abusing his name, we are practitioners of lawlessness. See, and those people are either not saved or they were saved and they got some kind of knock along the way and decided to use this and use people. And that's not God's way. When we obey the flesh, we are free of righteousness. How hectic is that? Free of righteousness if we are obeying the flesh. We're ashamed of the fruit of our lives and... The choice to be and obeying the flesh leads to eternal death. But when we are obeying the spirit of the living God who comes and lives inside of us when we are born again and when we are baptized with water and baptized with the Holy Spirit, we are set free from sin. We are slaves of righteousness, which is for holiness. We are slaves of God. And the fruit of this slave labor <laughs> is holiness, if we are in God. And the fruit is everlasting, 
The fruit of what we do has eternal value. The fruit of what we do echoes in eternity. In famous words from a movie. But more than that, we live for eternity. The works that we do have eternal value and what we live and who we are and where we go is for eternity. Do we hear that? Are we excited about it? Come on. All right. You can take that off for now. Church, it is very important for us in this moment and in this day to take a moment, and the band can join me at this time if they are ready. It's very important for us to take a moment today to, to, to focus on who the Holy Spirit is, to focus on what He came to do. And I want us to especially press into this truth at the end of that chapter um, 7, verse 6. It says, But now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. God gave the law to His people 50 days after they were they were saved. They were um, rescued from slavery to man, bondage in, in in Egypt. They were saved through Passover. Fifty days later, they get the, the word of God, the Torah, the law by which they are to live. We know that after that, they fell away. They came back. They fell away. They came back. Kings came. Things happened. Many prophecies were prophesied over the people of God of what will happen to them. And it happened. But they also had the promise of a deliverer, the Messiah, the one who would come and save them. But many still have that thing of like, well, they, we were saved from the oppression of a nation with Passover. So when the Messiah comes... In the time that he did come, those people were oppressed by the Romans. A political oppression, a governmental oppression. And they were crying out to God to save them from that. In the Old Testament, Moses was called to lead his people out of bondage. In the New Testament, we have the prophet who is the son of Jesus who came to lead his people out of bondage. But it was not a political bondage or a governmental bondage that he came to deliver us from. It was a spiritual bondage that he came to deliver us from. And each and every one of us came from some kind of Egypt or some kind of Roman oppression in the spiritual sense. The home that you grew up in the father that you had or didn't have, things happened and bondage came into your life. And Jesus came, the Messiah came, whose name means Savior, salvation. The one who saves his people, he came so that you don't have to live in the bondage that you may have found yourself in. He came to fulfill the law 
and the prophets so that when we receive him and we receive the death that he died, we are set free from the law that was applied. The same way he uses this great example, a woman who is married is only bound by the law of marriage as long as the husband lives. What does that mean for you and me? You are only a slave to sin as long as your old man is still alive. And if you struggle with sin and you know that you've given your life to Christ, it might be that you don't understand the gospel completely or that you still sit with a very difficult Egypt situation that you haven't dealt with. We can help you. We want to help you. Because there's a freedom in the Spirit of God that surpasses all understanding, that brings you into a peace with God, that brings joy from here. Even though your circumstances are hectic, the joy that bubbles up from inside, you can't explain. It's just there because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And He is love. He is grace. He is joy. Amen? How Most of the things, or pretty much all of the things we read as instructions for us as Christians is only possible by the Holy Spirit. Count it all joy when trials of various kinds come your way. What? Is your mole? It doesn't make sense. Why? Because it takes a supernatural ability to do what it says. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think Jesus is cruel and he likes to play practical jokes on his children? Do you think that? So why would he tell you something to do and you go, you read it, you say, well, that's impossible. And he didn't have a solution for you as well. So do you think that the Bible is wrong? Or do you think that we as Christians are just slow? And we're not like getting it completely. It's a mystery to walk with Jesus. Amen. It's a mystery to walk with him. And the more we walk with him, the more he starts revealing this. Hey, my son, look at this. And you go, wow, that's so cool. And this and more. And, and it's so awesome. All those things happen by His Spirit. Jesus said, I went away so that you can have the Holy Spirit. Who's living inside of you when you are born again? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave Him. The Father sent Him. It's there for you. To not live in sin. This whole time we've been reading, Paul is going, and, and last time we saw this, he says, you don't have to live in sin. You are free from sin in Christ Jesus. Why do you keep on sinning? Why do you present your members for uncleanness when you can be presenting it for holiness? You're not a slave to this. You are a slave to Christ. What is a slave? Someone who's forced to do labor. If you are not in Christ, you are forced to sin. If you are in Christ, 
you choose to be forced to do the will of God. You become a slave of God, a slave of righteousness. Do we understand this? At the Sons of God group this week, one of the men said, I know I can't say I'm just human anymore. <laughs> but you remember that challenge? I said, let's stop saying I'm just human. If I'm born again, I'm not just human. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yo, come on. If you were the enemy and you wanted the church to be ineffective, what lie would you tell to the church? What lie? Come on, some of you are good liars. You'll figure it out. He would convince you. Well, the, his big win would be to convince you there is no Holy Spirit. Or that it's just a word in the Bible, but doesn't really mean anything. I don't know about what church you grew up in, the church that I grew up in. I heard that there is a Holy Spirit, but I never saw Him move. So I thought, nothing much of Him. And He's not an it. He's a person. He's a person of the Godhead. Why do you think Jesus would consider it so important to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come? How many of you have prayed for God to do something in your life or in someone else's life and after praying and praying and praying and nothing changes, you start sensing that the Holy Spirit is saying something to you and He's saying to you, hey, you go and do something because I'm in you. If you go and lay hands, I can move. No, God, but you must move. I have moved already. My son died on a cross, paid the ultimate price. He came to me to send my spirit so that you can be my church on earth and change the world. Come on. Donkey is. That is who the Holy Spirit is. But don't we sometimes act like the disciples as Jesus was ascending to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. They say to him, Lord, but aren't you going to take care of my problem quickly? Aren't you going to quickly sort out this issue that I have? This, you know, I've got this debt. I've got this difficult relationship. I've got issues with this and I don't have money. And I, Lord, what are you going to do about my problem? What are you going to do about this government of ours? What are you going to do about ESCOM and load shedding? Lord, Jesus, help us. It is not for you to know the times and the seasons, but not many days from now, you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's why, that's why you cannot move as a child of God in efficiency if you do not move with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can only move if you let Him. And if you are busy presenting your members of this temple for sin, 
with the Holy Spirit inside of you, come on. How effective can it be? But if you choose daily as you wake up to say, I am not on the throne of my life. Holy Spirit, you lead me. What are we doing today? Holy Spirit, how do you see this person that's packing the bags at the cashier counter? Lord Jesus, how are you seeing this Uber driver that I'm riding with? Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, show me, how should I deal with this business issue, this relationship issue? Imagine a day like that where you move with the Holy Spirit. There are moments where the Holy Spirit manifests and yes, people fall under His power and people are healed, absolutely. And we have to trust Him for those things and I'm trusting for that today. But He is supposed to be every day, all day, part of who we are. If someone is going through a tough time and they tell you about it, don't say, I will pray for you. No. Put your hands on them right now and pray for them right now. Because the Holy Spirit is there right now. You don't have to play bad music to get the Holy Spirit to move. Wait, I just have to put on my soaking music. Ah, there's the Holy Spirit. No. He is there. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. You can feel Him, but He is not a feeling. Amen? He is the Spirit of God, and His first name is Holy. Did you notice that? So Paul is calling us to live holy lives and he can do that because he knows that we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to say something again that I've said many times before. The Bible teaches us, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's holding a carrot. But it's actually possible. He makes it possible by His Spirit. Amen. If we as believers do not start from the belief that this is possible, we will be defeated without even having started. Do you want to live as a defeated Christian? Do you want to sound like many other cultural Christians out there? Oh, I'm just human. We can't change anything. You know, we just pray and hope. No. Thank you, Leon. What comes out of here shows what's really going on here. It is directly related. How are you speaking? How are you praying? How are you prophesying? What are you trusting God for? No, but you say, I'm, I'm still young in Christ. I don't know. I don't know this. I don't, I've got sin that disqual... Stop the sonde. Let iemand for your bed beweeg voorentoe. If you repent, it's forgiven. Move forward. If you're still struggling, forgive yourself. Don't get stuck. Then the enemy wins. Let's not let him win.
Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.